Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so, Rob, I, I think you, you had some questions about the possibility of uh, uh, um, some Swedish uh, Bernie Bro-style nicknames, now oh. that like, the politics have kind of shifted. I feel like this is a good opener. Yeah, I was um, just trying to brainstorm a bit with Kieran with the... Uh she, uh, Yushi Dagoster, the head of the left party, seems to have gotten a bit, you know, some of the credit for, for, you know, leading this principled stand. Um, a swag. At least in the English language uh, media, she's written two things for, one might have been translated for Jacobin. And so I see her, at least for the, uh, the international onlookers, filling in a kind of role that's been left vacant for the Corbins and, and Bernies of the world. So I was just brainstorming some, some, some catchy names. Uh, and, you know, as the local expert, maybe you can help us. I don't, well, alright, here's one. Kieran's a dad, so, yeah. dad, dad, or dads. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> a little limited. Yeah. But, uh, all right. uh, I, I was, I could be, I'm not a dad, but I could be a, a nushy nephew. Nushy noobs, even though okay. it's like, it's okay, you can be new to it. <laughs> Get it? Jump on in. The water's, the water's great. Mm hmm. It's okay. wonderful. Love this. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> she she uh, she had a she had her own sort of uh, fun nickname uh, before she was elected party leader of the left party, uh, with no. which was uh, No Shit Dagestar. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's her, much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some something with that, I think, could work. And then obviously she had to change it once she became like a mainstream politician. <laughs> no, no, no. I like the idea of just like giant plastic, like placards all across Stockholm and Malmo and Gothenburg, just like vote no shit. <laughs> I mean, isn't this all part of you know bringing back? I don't know if confrontation is the right word, but you know, maybe that's the exactly what public, the, the yeah. Swedish left needs on the uh, on the national electoral scale. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Just like wedgies for your enemies. That's just like one of the promises on the on the, on the placard. <laughs> I like that language too. Le- wedgies for your enemies. Just full, yeah. fully on declaring like the Liberal Party to be like the enemy. Yeah, but it's also a bit of populist. Like just like you know, it's a bit vague. We don't have to define your enemy. So you know, random Swedish person in the street that could be you know a political enemy could also just be like. I don't know, someone who skipped you in the queue once or something. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's the common enemy of all Swedes. <laughs> hey, 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 welcome to your weekly corner, Spatey. Uh, uh, we're here with uh, uh, myself, Kieran, obviously, and I'm also joined by Rob. Yo. Uh, Nick and Yulia are all fighting the good fight at, uh, I don't know, the behest of some Russian oligarch, probably. Uh, is that a joke? Is it not? Who knows? But uh, we are joined uh, this week by the lovely Mia Mulder. Say hi, Mia. Hello. Hey. Hey, Sam. Oh. I'm here as the oh, resident Swede, so I'm going to try to uh, yeah. be obnoxiously Swedish. Yes. I, I shouted out into the void of the internet of, we would like a Swede, and the fans responded with, you should get me a, she might actually respond to you, unlike these other people. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Naturally enough, I think people have probably realized, uh, if they've been paying attention on the media, uh, the media, the internet, and all that, that uh, Sweden grabbed a bit of attention recently uh, for the online left of uh, 
uh, do, to do with rent and pulling out and kind of collapsing the government there for a second. And then they're now fine. It's grand. But, you know, yeah. for a hot second. For a uh, split second, we didn't have a government. Yeah. Oh, very reminiscent of the time Ireland accidentally legalized drugs for a day. Um, <laughs> that was a great time. But, uh, so, this is, uh, this is why we want to talk about Sweden. And we kind of want to do the, the typical kind of uh, 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 Sweden has problems too episode, which is something that you kind of have to confront when dealing with English speaking media. Not every, like, unless corrected, most people will think Sweden is perfect and they've solved society. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're the perfect, uh, socialist dream, uh, paradise mm-hmm. landscape where, uh, we eat, uh, what's it called? Reindeer farts and just have a good, perfectly free university in healthcare, and that's all you need, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's like, there's, I mean, sometimes they'll point to other Nordic countries, and there's like different flavors, like Denmark is the perfect mm. society if you love racism, <laughs> um, Finland is the perfect society if you love alcoholism, um, you know, good stuff like that. Uh, Norway, if you love money, the classic stuff, but Sweden seems to be your all-round, uh, uh, most populated Nordic country, so it's it's, it's a good one to look at. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's the, ti- it's the one it's the one that's like typically Nordic. Who mm. are Nordic? Yes, let's go with that. <laughs> just just to infuriate the just to infuriate the Danes even more. <laughs> we become the <laughs> Nords. I think we've made our opinions clear on this podcast. This is an anti-Danish podcast. Um, but yes, I think we want to talk about a little bit about. Um, well, first of all, before we go into the events of the last uh, couple of weeks, we should probably talk about how Sweden's robust social democracy, I'm not going to not going to lie, had something pretty good going there in the, the latter half of the 20th century, uh, how that's kind of been a bit attacked and how it kind of got started. Yeah, so, and I, I do think it's not an arbitrary place, um, like going back to this point, because I don't know if it's the exact uh, lowest seat total, but um, the Social Democratic Party, um, I guess uh, one of the protagonists today, is if not at their lowest seat total, then the 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 coalition, the the cabinet coalition, is what barely thirty thirty five percent of the total seats in the um, in the parliament in Sweden, and it's basically like hand in hand with the loss of the you know the or the eating away at the. Uh, gains that are associated with social democracy is also the act, the social democratic parties like eating away at their number of seats in parliament. Um, so yeah, to tell that story, how, how, how they've gotten into a position today that, uh, th- that a vote of no confidence could uh, win against the prime minister who's from this party. I guess we do have to go back in time. Yes. I love, Drove back to it. I love quick history. Oh. This is, this is my feel. I love it. <laughs> yeah. We're doing we're doing quick history. We're going to tell you everything you need to know about Sweden. Then that's it. That's fine. That's all. In an hour and a half, we're going to get it done. Um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna flash back to uh, the eighties when Sweden began. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so 1982, we have a social democratic government. We have uh, um, them kind of dealing with a, a global context that was not in the favor of uh, welfare spending, which is to say. You've got Reagan in the White House. You've got Thatcher in, 90, uh, in Downing Street. You've got the Arab oil crisis, all kind of affecting uh, um, the world. Uh, like this is like where we get a lot of these 
social welfare cut turns in pretty much every country. Sweden is not exempt from this. And this affected them. And during this period, uh, the Social Democrats had to uh, basically renege on a bunch of promises of expanding the welfare state. They didn't shrink it during this period, but they, they didn't expand it either. They had some plans to do that. And that hurt them. And then they return in 1994. Mm. Um, Olaf Palme is uh, shot in the meantime, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should probably mention that. Um, Olaf, uh, yeah, that's kind of a, a, a bit of a deal. That's, yeah, we uh, visit our website, operationglad.io. Um, but they come back in 1984, and this is when they do some public welfare cuts. Uh, this is kind of when you get your, uh, um, center-left party moving to the right. They've accepted the logic of austerity. They've accepted that the only way for Sweden to grow is to um, impoverish some of their hardest-hit citizens. Uh, classics. You all know it. It's happened in your country too, listener. Um, yeah, so this is when social, the Social Democratic Party is got into like uh, this kind of logic. I think a classic example of since the 90s has been... Um, in contrast with some of Sweden's neighbors, a mass privatization of schools oh, uh, is oh, something yeah. that occurred. <laughs> okay, <laughs> interesting. Uh, uh, like, uh, how bad is it? Is it like, is it like Volvo presents uh, lower education, or <laughs> it's all? It's almost like that. Like you, you're making a joke, but it's almost. <laughs> and uh, I think one of the largest sort of privately owned schools right now. No one really knows who who owns it. Yeah, actually. So it's <laughs> like it's unknown. Like hedge fund manager, maybe it could be the Chinese government. We don't know. Um, just owns this like massive uh, private school company, and that's like an ongoing bit of a controversy. And whenever like people talk about how maybe the Swedish uh, school privatization system has maybe been a bit of a failure. Uh, mm. There's always going to be like, uh, like old Swedish aristocrats making uh, articles in various newspapers talking about how, how not like how not privatizing school systems is the same as communism. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so <laughs> in Sweden, like communism is when <laughs> is when profits are not being taken out of students. I mean, tenu tenure, uh, ten-year-old students are very good assets. Twelve years old, uh, they, they get risky, but you know, you, you diversify, get them all together, and you'll be all right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I do like the idea that, like, this mystery school owner. There's like, I don't know. That seems like a weird, like, YA novel. If you do like really good at your grades and like uh, uh, complete a bunch of magical challenges, you can find out who owns the school. There's like a there's some sort of like game to be played. It's a puzzle. No one, yeah, no one's done it yet. Uh, it's a it's um it's Ready Player One for private school ownership, I guess. Um, I would be so good at Ready other... Player One if it was about doing homework. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that seems like the narc version of Ready Player One. Oh, pretty narky book already. <laughs> Look, we all have our own skills, Kieran. I'm just saying. Yeah, but um, let's see. the The other issue is that, uh, and uh, Mia can correct me if I'm wrong, but like the Swedish, the Swedish Democrats, uh, uh, SAP. They're uh, sorry, not Swedish Democrats, Social Democrats. Yes, very, very yes. different. Very different. Which I understand now why they have different acronyms. Uh, um, 
the they're kind of like the they've been since World War Two, basically like the default government <laughs> for a lot of like Sweden's history. Yeah, uh, the de facto saying, like, dictatorship. Yeah, yeah, but like uh, this this happens all over. Like in Ireland, we had Fianna Fáil; they were basically unchallenged. Uh, uh, in Germany, CDU is basically the default government. Um, yeah, and that was true for West and, Germany. And I, I got to say, like SPD in Germany, who's you know. They, they kind of exist to get, to get kicked around. Yeah. I mean, the Swedish yeah. Social Democratic Party was also part of the Second International. And I mean, they had a different history, but like that is an, an alternate Germany where the CDU doesn't get to like, you know, be the number one German party. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a, uh, um, it is interesting. And we'll get into like where Swedish rent systems actually come from later on. But like, like a lot of these center left parties across Europe, they still kind of have. A lot of institutions kind of under their, not under their control, but captured effectively. Like they're, uh, the social democrats are still kind of like the party of the unions and the party of like the tenant unions or the tenant union. Uh, uh, so it's kind of changing now. And I guess that's the pivot that uh, uh, Vince de Patiat is going for. But uh, yeah, that's wonderful pronunciation. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, who is Ven- who is the uh, left party? I'm not going to try to say. That's the that's the left party. That's the, those are the ones who uh, took down the government. Yes, um, but because historically the the SAP, the Social Democrats, they they have been the party of these like labor movements in the past, and they are the parties that kind of like formalized Sweden's renting system. Uh, to the renting system they have today that isn't market rents. Uh, they still have a lot of kind of like this old goodwill, which is why they've been in power even since doing these kind of, you know, Volvo Spotify presents history class. Um, so, yeah. yeah. They're very much seen, especially like by the Swedish equivalent of, like, boomers as being just, like, mm. that that's the party you vote for, um, unless you're rich. Like, then you vote for, this, for the <laughs> Social Democrats. Like, yeah. the everyman votes for the Social Democrats. That, it's, it's, uh, that's, yeah, as you say, that's still very popular amongst a lot of people. Mm. It, it, yeah, we're, we're seeing it now in, in Germany, where, like, our equivalent, the SPD, is doing very poorly, but they have like a really high like floor there is only like so low that party could ever really go and that's like 17 percent, which is like a percentage a lot of other parties in germany could only dream of kind of thing you're really putting yourself on record saying the spd can sink no lower that is a, that is a gamble <laughs> that is a gamble all right like, they on, can, like hey, come you out. said it you said it not me I'd- <laughs> like okay well yeah tomorrow they'll come out and say something like anti-semitic again or something and we'll we'll see what happens but like yeah um cool so that kind of brings us to that gives you a little bit of context of like how like austerity logic eventually captured what was a decent party a party that is also kind of the default party um and that brings us to the present so or recent present on monday 21st of june the government failed a vote of no confidence the first time in swedish history uh, as a result of Vince Patiet uh, pulling support for the Social Democrat Green Lufen government. I don't know if it's Lufen. I don't, I'm getting scared of the umlaut. Levin. 
whoa, that's whoa, that is much. That's a much sexier name. You, than that you said that exactly like the four vote pronunciations I was using to practice for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there was a vote of no confidence. The Vence Party had kind of agreed that this was one of their like the introduction of market rents was uh, which everyone listening who's not Swedish probably is familiar with how that system works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that was one of their, as they say, red lines. Um, do we have a better word for that? Because red line for Germans means something very different. That's like the equivalent of through line. Uh, uh, um, deal breakers, like in a relationship, I guess. It's yeah. One of yeah. the big, uh, one of the big uh, breaking points of the of the relationship between the left party and the social democrats. Yeah, mm. and now there have been other like I don't know things that have chipped away at um, the at rent protections in Sweden, right? Like in the nineties and two thousands. But this last big line of defenses is collectively bargained um rent situation can you explain that like how it works yeah i i'd love to so a, a large part of like as you mentioned earlier because the social democrats are sort of the party of the unions a large part of like worker protection or like everyday person protection isn't actually in any sort of law uh but it has sort of been delegated to unions so it, it's like outsourced from politics to to be dealt with unions who then will negotiate with whoever they talk to so for example uh, in in the case of renters it's like landlord associations negotiating with with the renters union Uh, and every Mm -hmm. time they build basically a new housing complex or a new like uh, apartment complex um, the renters union comes in and negotiates like what the rent should be here uh, and this agreement, uh, the uh, I think I think we're going to mention it a bit later. The January agreement um, basically said that like we we're not going to do that system anymore for some newly built uh, housing units. Like if 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 uh, if a wealthy capitalist wants for wants to build like a, a new apartment complex uh, for himself, for example, he shouldn't have to negotiate with the renters' union unless uh, unless he wants to. Uh, and this would affect. This wouldn't affect every housing unit, but it would affect, like, a, a, an amount of housing units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, uh, this is not something that the left party liked, or the renting, renters union liked. The renters union hated this. They they thought that this was would be uh, a disaster, basically. Kind of be the effect of death of the renters union, because then at that point, like... Well, it would fun- they would function like a-, a renters' union, like does in Germany, which is basically just informs tenants of their rights. Yeah, and that that it really wants to avoid that position because it's sort of been delegated to that role already in many respects. Mm. Um, but they're sort of the the fact that they do have sort of a monopoly on rent negotiation is something that they're very proud over, uh, and something that obviously they don't want to give away. Uh, and also, we've we've seen how because a lot of like center parties argue that because it would only affect a very small amount of housing units, uh, it's not actually that big of a deal. It's not like something to worry about. But we've seen when when renters' unions have been taken uh, power away from them, like in Finland, for example, um, very quickly that also starts to affect uh, housing units that already exist, for example, or housing units that. Uh, are maybe just refurbished instead of uh, like newly built, and slowly right. over time, like this is this is sort of the first nail in the coffin of 
of the renters' union. So that's why it was a, such a like a red line uh, thing. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, so naturally, this is something that Vincent Petit, uh, uh and, and representing these tenants' unions to a certain extent, and also representing their voters, because I don't think anyone's voting like for Vincent Partia to introduce market rents. I mean, it's that's that's actually a good point too, because uh, w- like during this entire debacle, like a lot of people did polls uh, about whether mm. like what people thought about about market rents. Literally, like no majority of any political party wanted what wanted oh, yeah, uh, yeah, market yeah. rents. Like even even the moderate party, which is like uh, like uh, socially conservative, but uh, so uh, what's that? Socially liberal, but economically conservative. Yeah, or whatever, yeah, that, yeah, that one. Um, even their voters were very much like against this, so it, it was a bit of a mystery, like why mm. why this was happening in the first place. But uh, but yeah, so the left party were basically the only party out of all of these parties that actually was like, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's. I, I wish that was surprising, but that kind of seems to be the the uh, anything that isn't like a membership driven party is uh, pretty much exists to enact policies that not even their own voters like. Yeah. Uh, um, the the classic example of Germany is just like how every party is in favor of continued NATO membership, even though the vast majority of the German public fucking hates NATO. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, and the way I understand it is that the the Social Democrats do a thing where because I saw the the Prime Minister uh, Lofen, he like said, "Well, I'm against market rents too. Like like our party position is against it, but." We will yeah. enter this coalition because otherwise we don't have enough seats where we accept it, you know? So it's like, what does it matter what your party's for if in the end you're like, you know, you, you agree yeah. to this? Which is a, a, that is an interesting thing because uh, speaking of which, it, it also seems like there is a sizable wing of uh, uh, the social democrats that are glad that this has happened. They're kind of like activists and supporter base. They have a, a wing of the party called uh, Reformisterna, uh, which I guess means reformists, probably. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, I know Swedish now. <laughs> do you, do the, you have any uh, strong thoughts on them? Uh, I don't know if you had like an opinion. They seem like a uh, little similar, like this um, This main person, I forget his name, who's kind of the head of that wing, seems similar to uh, Kevin Kuhnert here in Germany, who sometimes mm-hmm. gets polarized uh, reactions, so. Yeah, I don't. To be honest, I think most Swedes don't really think about them that much. Unfortunately, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, they, I I think that they have like a fairly okay like goal. But most people who want to like pull the Social Democratic Party to the left have already joined the left party. So that and that's sort of the the current vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I can um, that's that's seems pretty common, but it is uh, worth pointing out that there are insiders within uh, uh, Lufin's party that are, like, pissed that this even happened to begin with. Mm. Uh, um, I'm pissed of specifically the thing that supposedly tied their hands to this, which is uh, something I want to talk about because of how incredibly fucked it is. <laughs> uh, the January agreement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Wait, but I want to give the context for this quickly because... Go for it. Like, so I mentioned earlier that I thought the Swedish, uh, the Social Democrats had their lowest um, vote total ever. Uh, it is the lowest, lowest vote total since 1911 that they got. Yeah. Um, 
So not good. <laughs> and the only <laughs> uh, members of the, like it was a really split election in 2018. That's when the Swedish Democrats jumped up, which I know we're getting to them. Um, so there were multiple rounds, right. Of like trying to form a government that like, you know, didn't take because there you know, so many like eight different parties or something. And yeah, for, yeah, for months, this happened like that. That's why it's called the January agreement because the election was like in October or September or something like that. And mm-hmm. it, for like half a year, it, they just had to keep negotiating and renegotiating about like how, how would you form a government? Yeah. Yeah. So these are, it's the, like the, I guess the ruling coalition, even though they have like way under 50%, which is the Greens and the Social Democrats with these two neoliberal parties, uh, the center and the liberals, uh, like signing on for this agreement and then the left kind of like there, but I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. I guess but like, okay. The so the, the big achievement of this, uh, I guess by, uh, uh, if you were to ask like a current social Democrat stand, a, a Lufin stand, Lufin sounds French. Anyway, <laughs> Lufin. Lufin. Levin. Okay, okay, okay. I can do this. <laughs> so, uh, Levin stands, the people who are like in his, under his Instagram being like, come to Brazil. Um, like, That's me. I'm telling him to come to, to, to Berlin. Yeah. Um, um, kick it. I have a new open they, air. He can invest. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> come to Brazil, get COVID. Um, they, um, People who would kind of like sit for this party, kind of, or, or like some political commentators who maybe you're saying this is great, even though they're probably have always been liberal voters, uh, kind of talked about how great it was that he broke up the blue block. Um, yeah, because the the two neoliberal parties that Rob is referring to have basically been the like, I want to vote moderates, but I don't want to vote moderates party yeah. uh, moderates being the center right party of uh, of sweden um they effectively existed to like bolster the moderates numbers beforehand um but through the january agreement they've broken up the blue block um they've taken these two toys away from the moderates and that's the kind of narrative of people who are in lufin's corner are kind of like saying is what happened. Um, however, if we look through the January agreement, kind of looks like those two parties have kind of the run of the show, and uh, <laughs> they uh, they get to do what they want. Yeah. Uh, do, yeah. Should we go through? Oh, sorry. Go on. No, I I, I do like the, like I should say that like breaking up uh, the blue block is something that's like really should. But that that is something that's like true that Levin stands mm. actually do have a kind of a, a little bit of a point to because the entire blue block is like made up from like conservative Christian Democrats uh, to mm. like uh, to like the cent- center right liberal parties who are like a fairly progressive on a lot of social issues. But the only reason that the blue block exists uh, called the Alliance because uh, mm. they're nerds. Uh, <laughs> uh, it only exists because the social democrats had such a, like an incredible hold over power over Swedish politics for such a long time. So that every single opposition party, except the left, basically, and the environmental mm. party, had to sort of unite under this like uh, big tent coalition to to take down to take them down. And for the last like couple of elections, uh, it, ha- it has been between like these two coalition blocks, like who who's going to win that. Um, and since the rise of the, of the Swedish Democrats, that, that sort of politics doesn't really work anymore because suddenly 
no one has a majority. Um, so a lot of people are crediting him with sort of like destroying the right wing a little bit. Uh, and it has sort of worked too, because a lot of, a lot of sort of more conservative and more like liberal people on the right in Sweden are just hating each other now over this thing, which, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily love the January agreement. I think it's pretty bad, but I do yeah. like seeing the right wingers fight each other. Yeah, yeah. I know I have a similar feeling when I look at like, I don't know, current uh, Spanish elections where like the terrible like anti uh, anti Catalonian independence party that's like tried to present itself as centrist and stuff like that got very right wing and is now tanking. I'm like, yes, you deserve it. Fuck you. <laughs> and then I was like, where are those votes going? Oh, they're going to Vox. Oh, no. <laughs> they're going to the, like, neo-Francoist party. Oh, no. Damn it. Yeah. Um, that, that is interesting. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm slightly concerned, and I wonder if this is actually something that uh, is true on the ground in Sweden, that this is maybe more forcing the hand of um, the moderates and the Christian Democrats to uh, side with the Swedish Democrats? Maybe not in a formal way, like they could... I can imagine a future where the Sweden Democrats become the, like, Vanstapatiet of the moderates. Like, you'll be excluded from cabinet positions, but, you know, you'll be supporting us the whole way, and we need your we need your numbers, and, yeah. Um... Yeah, that's basically yeah. how a lot of that's basically how a lot of people in the right are already seeing the Swedish Democrats like as a potential mm. for the next election. Um, right. But weirdly enough, I don't. That's not really going to work because the Swedish Democrats are like too popular. So the the leader of the Swedish Democrats has basically said that like if if you want Swedish Democrat support, we're in the government. Right. So okay. uh, so so there's a bit of tension there, and no one really knows how that's going to turn out. Um, mm. And so the, the the place of the moderates are really complicated because they <laughs> they want to be in power, but they also can't like they don't want to give any power to the Swedish Democrats. Whereas the Christian Democrats are fine jumping into bed with the Swedish Democrats. Yeah. They <laughs> they love it. I, well, I, I saw that. I mean, I see they're yeah. they're like we're all going to do it anyway. So I'm gonna I'm, I want the best seat. I call shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> the Swedish uh, the Swedish Christian Democrats are also like in comparison to most Christian Democratic parties in Europe, like hyper conservative. Mm. They're like much more akin to uh, like right wing evangelicals in the U.S. than they are to like any Christian Democratic party in in, uh, in Europe. So they're because they're, they're yeah. not comparable to like the the German Christian Democrats. The they CDU, far yeah. right. Like far, well, yeah, far, like the, far, the, the, right? the CDU, the, the, the Christian part of the CDU kind of like fell away a long time ago. Like, isn't Merkel like a, an open atheist or something? Or was she an atheist? I can't, or, I, yeah, people say that about her because she's from East Germany. I can't remember. Yeah, but um, it started as in the 60s, right? As this kind of like, I don't know, like kind of uh, the, the the Christian Democrats. Like it's, it's recent and maybe more, it's like a protest party, right? Out of... Uh, like some of the societal movements. That's what I understood. A, a little bit, yeah. Like it's it's a combination of of of, of the Bible Belt of like the hyper conservative people in the, in the south of Sweden, and it's also a a conglomeration of all sort of uh, like indie churches. Sweden has a lot of like independent churches that are that are all like super weird, are all basically small cults, um, <laughs> and are super secretive and. Like there, there should probably be like a big news story about controversy here, but it hasn't broken yet. But uh, interesting, it's, it's just it, no that's one a weird about. thing. 
Yeah, if, yeah. if you get a few million more followers, you could be like the Justin Bieber. Like, well, who is Justin Bieber's pastor? What's what's up with him? They'd be trying to uh to uh yeah get get you. Is, I, there'd be a lot of competition over you, I'm sure. Probably. This is, fasc- this is fascinating to me because this is like. I feel like I would have scrapped this whole episode and just talk about this because I come from like institutionally Catholic Ireland where there is no other church. But there is that one other, but we, uh, but like, uh, uh, indie churches. I'm just imagining like mid 2006 or like mid 2000s, 2006 style, like indie bands from like the UK, like the Claxons or something giving a sermon. Uh, uh um, sorry. I, I got very distracted by the idea of indie churches. Um, and that leads us, I think, pretty well to uh, talking about the January Agreement, which I kind of already alluded to here. We, we kind of got a bit derailed, but let's actually get into what's what's in the January Agreement, because um, I just, uh, in the notes for this episode, a little bit behind the scenes for the listeners at home, I just copy and pasted the whole thing into the bottom of the notes, because I was like, oh, no, I need, I, need, I need this down here, because this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's a much longer... It's a much longer uh, 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 document. I, I think I just have in here the like the opening points, the main points. I can't remember how they described it. Uh, uh, they get into more specifics around like environmentalism and things like that in their own kind of sections. But they open with you know the center party and liberals agree to abstain from fro- voting against uh, Lufin's re-election, uh, which is what we've kind of talked about. Uh, um, you know, that, that makes sense. That's the whole rub of the situation. Fine. Mention it first. The second point. The left party shall not receive any influence over Swedish politics for the following years. I'm like, yeah. all right. <laughs> known, known colloquially as the humiliation clause. Uh, yeah. But it's it's like, I mean, together, they need the left party to have a majority, right? To like pass yes. Yes. laws and budgets and stuff. So they're relying on I was thinking of this earlier when you mentioned the, uh, what, could the Swedish Democrats be the, like the, the, the left party of the right? But so much of this relies on, like, basically the conscience of, like, left wing people being like, well, if you don't just take whatever we give you, that's going to be a right wing government. So, you know, deal with it. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, it's an open question whether the Swedish Democrats would be like, I don't know. Oh, well, like, we're just here to have, like, you know, fun and, 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 and try to rile up all the racists. Um, versus like that is a, like a enduring thing not only in Sweden but in a lot of European countries that like yeah but you won't do it you won't risk having the like right wing in power um, yeah. which spoiler alert I mean they did and, and it worked out but yeah no one would risk having the right wing in power don't look at the 30s don't ever look at the 30s anywhere in Europe <laughs> no but like the, the, the social democrats have done this for like not just this election, but also the last election, and maybe the one before that as well, where um, they they basically sort of bullied the left party into being like a doormat a little bit, right. being, saying that like you you can either support our government in exchange for nothing, or it's going to be a far right government, maybe with the support of the Swedish Democrats. And for you know a lot of leftists, that's an easy choice, but it still sucks. And uh, it's just that it turns out that like they pushed it a bit bit too far with with this last uh, little push. Yeah, and I guess the, the the interesting thing and like to make it clear at home, like this is um, Vincent Patiet is not officially part of the the government. Their confidence and supply, which means you know they need their votes to get things passed, but they're not 
a part of the cabinet. They're not like given any kind of ministerial roles. Um, but neither are the liberals of the center party. Mm. They're also providing confidence and supply. But they were all, they were invited to these like to this agreement to these discussions. Like you were specifically excluding. There's like no difference in terms of relationship. The the actual government being like the Social Democrats and the Greens. There is no different relationship yeah. between these other three parties, except you know, the there's strident belief of that. There's long decu- documents saying, but we're only going to listen to these two parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the long document that says "nani nani boo boo," uh, <laughs> basically. Um. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of other little things in here that I kind of want to uh, uh, talk about. But is there any particular besides this very egregious like second point? Um, is there any any other little highlights, any other tidbits, uh, uh, Mia, that you want to talk about or Rob? Not necessarily. And it's more that when this clause, the the doormat clause or the humiliation clause, was added to to the agreement. Uh, it was added like without the knowledge of the left party, and once it became public, uh, the 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 then leader of the of the left party said that like uh, that sucks. We're not going to support a, uh, an agreement like that. Mm. And the only way it went through was after like a private talk between uh, between Stefan Levin and Jonas Kraustat, who was the leader of the of the party then. Uh, yep. And after that, he came out and said like, okay, we're 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 not going to vote against the government. Uh, but there are two, there are two red lines in, in this, and as long as you don't cross those, those two red lines, we're going to do it. But if you do those two red lines, we're going to vote down the government. Just like that's just what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and I and uh, that's that has sort of been looming over Swedish politics for like a long time, ever mm. since ever since the January Agreement. Uh, yeah, up until up until now. And then they the went market- and did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look at the sword of Damocles. Shame of it dropped. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the the other one was, okay, so the, the market rents was the other one. Was the other one about like privatization of the uh, uh, um, the employment office or something like that? May have been. I don't I don't actually remember because it hasn't really come up that much in like Swedish discourse since one of the, since the other one was crossed. Mm. Um, but it may have may have been that. Uh, I know that that sort of has gone back and forth for a long time now, how the reform of the employment office should should look like, uh, mm. but it hasn't really materialized into anything. So I don't think it hasn't really been a big part of Swedish uh, politics lately. Right. Yeah. But they, it is one of the points in the opening of the January agreement. I think it's the last point is the the public employment service will undergo a fundamental reform and we'll have to compete with private employment agencies, which is weird. I, okay. But um, very weird, the one. Yeah. The one point I want to idea... mention yeah, go on, go on. is just um, I don't know. I feel it's I feel like it's like typical like you know right wing shift uh, that passing a test in Swedish and the basics of civics shall be mandatory mm-hmm. to acquire Swedish citizenship. Um, on the one hand, you know all these uh, centrist parties are like yeah moving to the right on immigration. I believe the Vänsterpartiet uh, has not uh, done anything like that, but I could be mistaken. <laughs> Vänsterpartiet is like, like the only party that hasn't like yeah. shifted to the right at all. Well, they shifted to the right in the sense that they that they've become sort of left leaning social democrats instead of like mm-hmm. outright communists. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that happened like in the nineties after the fall of the Soviet Union. So yeah. can't really blame them for that. But the reason that that just seems there's something so uh, ironic. I hope I'm using it right. Like ironic in the like I'm sure I don't know what the the citizenship test would be like in Sweden, but like even in Germany, for example, there's like 
at least a few questions in there on like fundamentals of German culture. Like, what does it mean to have free speech in Germany? And I'm, I, I guarantee you some aspect of that test would be like, what does Swedish uh, equality mean and s- Swedish fairness and like, <laughs> all these things? And it's like, oh yeah. And the next line in this agreement is getting rid of that stuff. So it's like, what, like, like they act like this is like, yeah, you know, that's what we are in Sweden. We have this equality and, you know, this protection and yeah. fairness that we're also getting rid of at the same time as we're introducing this test. It's like the opposite of the meme when you study for social democracy, but, uh, or sorry, when, when social democracy is on the test, but you should have studied for neoliberalism. I, I, I imagine the Swedish citizen te- citizenship test is basically, once you do the language portion or whatever, is just they sit you down in front of Reddit and ask you to post a really epic photo of the king with like a silly hat on. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I imagine. Classic Swedish be. tradition to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a silly king. The final, the <laughs> final step of it is to have to eat uh, a piece of Sustrumming. And if you can eat oh, that yeah. piece of stinky fish, then you're officially Swedish. Then you get to unlock the you know the good pastries we have. <laughs> <laughs> Not until you have your sister name. You have to have the stinky fish, and then yeah. you can have the benefits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other the other fun ones that I just kind of wanted to highlight quickly was just like uh, they they have this um, taxes on un- uh, environmentally unfriendly goods, which is just like cool. That's how you get yellow vests. Do you want a yellow vests? Um, yeah, the, there's, there's some other basic stuff, like just uh, taxes on, uh, the rich being lowered, uh, and hang on, what's this one? Yeah. The government is to refrain from proposing legislation, which limits or prevents the private sector from generating profits from, from their work in the welfare system. Yes. Which just feel like okay. is very... I, I'm, I, and I need to go into this because this is something that comes up quite a lot. A lot of times people think that, well, pri- private welfare uh, things, that's common, right? That's a, that exists mm. in a lot of countries. There are like private schools and private elder homes and stuff like that. But Sweden has a unique system that only exists here. Mm. Um, because in all other countries, if you have a private company in, so, in, in some sort of sense, it, it is often privately funded. Or... Uh, if it is government funded, those, the government funds have to be reinvested or they have to be, uh, be, be part of the actual program that you're offering. You can't right. profit from the government investments, but in Sweden, you can. So a company can set up like an, an elder care facility, for example, uh, take a million uh, Swedish crowns, which are currency, um, mm. and just provide the worst service imaginable for like, half of that money and then just pocket the rest of it. And instead of being an argument for like, oh, we should lower the in, the subsidies to this company, this is seen as a good thing because <laughs> they're very, <laughs> they're very profitable companies and they can employ more people and they can invest this more. Yeah. And that, so and Sweden is the only place that has this. Um, yeah. And when, and again, whenever someone argues against this system, uh, people go into media and say like any alternative to this is communism. <laughs> it's how the schools work too, right? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. The, uh, the schools work like this. Uh, some uh, some healthcare systems work like this a lot, and uh, some welfare systems work like this. It is like one of the most unpopular things in Sweden <laughs> that exists, and it's impossible to get rid of for some reason. Like no, like uh, yeah. mystery. 
We, we are, like every country has these where there's just like because you, of course that's what they do. It's like okay, they got a million crowns. They spend half of it on making sure that your like grandmother isn't like freezing to death, and then they spend the other half of it on not pocketing it, but reinvesting it into like a PR guy who like writes just those the dumb shit opinions in like a, a publication, and then gets to go on TV and be like. Look, my dad's famous and uh, rich, so I get to be here and tell you that like private healthcare is sick, actually. And then they do a kickflip or something. I don't know how it works. Yeah, but yeah, that's why I'm that's yeah. why I'm trying to get these uh, Swedish uh, school teachers, healthcare administrators, to get them to Berlin, invest in my open air <laughs> club <laughs> slash vintage clothing thrift store. I got big mm. plans. There's gonna be a big beach section. <laughs> they can make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, we we we'll we'll get to like uh, yeah okay so <laughs> well we're jumping ahead but like Swedish capital is also running ravage in Berlin <laughs> uh, um, oh, yeah. yeah it's a lot of I, I imagine the energy is just a bunch of uh, 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 rich guys in Sweden being like fucking stupid communist government won't let me <laughs> just like do shit here all right fuck it I'll do it in Germany uh, <laughs> that's how I'm trying to pick I, I wait outside the buildings uh, like holding the door for them and then I try to run up and be like have you heard of this club <laughs> <laughs> you're just like you're doing like 1930s street urchins like please sir please can I have some investor capital <laughs> can I have some seed funding um, right so that's the that's the January agreement which uh, um kind of yeah. came out uh, and has kind of like it, it is the forebearer of all this stuff happening um the center party uh, uh unsurprisingly and since this whole kerfuffle for lack of a better word uh has come about has kind of revealed themselves to be like the the party that really wanted um market rents like and you also said that Lofin kind of basically stated the same thing as well. Oh, we need the government, so we gave them what they want. So that's fair. And um, uh, in speeches, uh, Dead Gosta, the head of the um, left party, talks about how it's like uh, Luf's government and the Social Democrats are like the junior partner in the coalition, which I think is a pretty good burn. Yeah, I, I, I did you watch? They they translate they subtitled that video, so I got to watch the speech. Uh, um, yeah. Luffy looks very sad just through the whole thing. It's just, yeah, it's just, yeah. Throughout, it's very reminiscent. Throughout this entire sort of like drama, political drama, he hasn't really just been looking tired and just like exhausted because mm. he was so expecting the left party to to just like go along with what he wanted, and you can tell that like he's just he just wants to have a stable government, <laughs> but he'll never have one. No, um, but. This kind of leads us to an interesting thing, because we did mention there was a vote of confidence. It, it went through. It's the first in Swedish history, apparently, or modern history, I guess. That has and passed, yes. That has passed, yeah, that's fair. Uh, oh, yeah, because like this is a thing that like various weird, aggressive uh, opposition parties do all the time in every country. They're just like, ah, motion of, conf- of no confidence on Tuesday. All right, three people voted for it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I, I, did, I made my speech. Um, but speaking of which, the person who actually... Uh, called for the motion of no confidence was a uh, a, a a one uh, Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy uh, a- Ackerson. Uh, we just know uh, him as Jimmy around these parts, you know. Yeah, we call him Big Jimmy. He comes to Berlin. He's a big spender. When you, you know, yeah. <laughs> Rob asks him for seed investment. <laughs> uh, um, 
He does really look like like in, in a Silicon Valley investor, bro. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> because he kind of is. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, okay, so uh, Okason, is it's the, the, the is that closer? Okason? Jimmy Okason. Jimmy Okason. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, leader of the Swedish Democrats uh, was the person who called for the no-confidence vote, and that was kind of a win-win for him because the two outcomes would have been beneficial for him. Either Venstre Partiet uh, votes with the Social Democratic government and Venstre Partiet, you've got a new stick to beat them with because they betrayed their voters and their ideals and stuff. Um, or Venstre Partiet helps you collapse the government uh, and you've collapsed the government, which you also hate. So win-win for, for our boy, Yimmy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although Even I have to, like, it should I, be, yeah, not you. No, just um, he's he said in interviews like he's bragging that you know we are the first party to like take down the the government, and it's like, <laughs> does this help someone like with their with their wages? You know, if they're if they're not making enough money, if they can't afford rent. But hey, that's that's what the Swedish Democrats are doing I, for you. <laughs> in his mind, a boat of Syrians were on their way through the Baltic Sea, and it's like, oh, everyone turned around. The, the Yimmy did it. He collapsed the government. Ah, <laughs> damn him. <laughs> we'll be back, Yimmy. It's fun too, because like he he really wants to take credit for this uh, for this as well. But like in mm. in polls after after the government fell, everyone knows that the left party was sort of responsible for like you know causing this this drama in the first place, even if they didn't do the vote of no confidence. So the the confidence yeah. for uh, Nushi Dagostar has like risen significantly after this and the left party has basically lost nothing uh or actually gained some support after uh, during this during this chaos so yeah. for some reason even though this is a win-win for for the swedish democrats it they didn't really win that much yeah it is worth That's pointing the out that guarantee that was... win-win still lose <laughs> somehow you lose <laughs> uh um but that that is like to kind of uh, emphasize that point i it took me like it was article like five or whatever that I was reading about this event where it was like they finally mentioned that this was the guy who called for the motion of confidence. Like this is not getting a lot of international attention, certainly. Uh, um, if anyone brings up the Swedish Democrats, they're bringing up the context of how it looks like the blue bloc, the alliance, might have to start working with them more. Um, so that's that's they don't even mention that he did this. But at this point, I'd like to because he's a bit of a character. I'd like to turn to you, Mia. Uh, uh, what kind of Kai is our Okason? Imagine uh, Richard Spencer, but so- oh, okay. but somehow smarmier, smarter, <laughs> and also just like a bit more obvious. Like at the same time, he's like smarter in hiding his his true colors, but also he's. He's also just uh, more obvious in what those true colors are. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that makes sense. Um, like, well, like he joined, yeah. he like he's, he joined the Swedish Democrats. Like uh, I think in like 1994, back when they were like a neo-Nazi, like white supremacist, mm-hmm. like full on no, not hiding whatsoever behind their white supremacist yeah. roots. Um, which he has been forced to sort of be like, no, I didn't actually join. I just had like minor disagreements about like European politics that I that I agreed with the Swedish Democrats about. Um, right. But ever since he became a leader, he has sort of 
really led a big reform of the Swedish Democrats to be more presentable, to be more sort of um, like an acceptable version of of, of like far right wing conservatism. Uh, yeah, and they they they've managed to survive basically by being the only party that is really talking about uh, talking about like immigration, especially like in the early early 2010s because mm. that became like a big uh, talking point in Swedish politics but a lot of political parties didn't really want to budge on like being accepting to refugees um, whereas the Swedish Democrats were like very openly like racist and xenophobic um, yeah. which also forced like a significant amount of parties to also sort of like shift right and also yeah. become hostile on, on refugees which which just ended up boosting the Swedish Democrats even more because now their positions are seen as more legitimate. So it just like it keeps going. Um, mm. That's sort of what he has done. But it should be said, like you know, he joined the he joined this when it was a white supremacist like super Nazi organization, and uh, he's just like a weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so the the okay, so there's there's a lot of things there. I I, I get your point very very much about like you know he, he he's definitely made it like the more respectable party. Mm. I think there was a there was a party that merged into them or something that was uh, uh, called Alternative for Sweden, which was like it looked like an exact carbon copy of Alternative for Deutschland, mm. um, which is a party that actually started off less right wing and became more right wing because they were at one point they were like respectable libertarian party that just hated the euro and now they're like weird you know blood and soil nationalists um but you said there was also a swedish progress party so did they just copy every <laughs> right-wing party around the yes world? yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so like the, 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 there was swedish progress party which like from what i can tell it seems to be a rip-off of progress party from norway which we did an episode about them. It's still like the only episode where we had to put like a content warning at the front of because they're monsters. <laughs> um, and then like, but yeah, it's also kind of harder to hide like, oh, we're not Nazis when like one of the parties you come from is literally called like Keep Sweden Swedish. And like another party you came from's logo was like an iron cross, which I'm like, Maybe you can get away with that in Germany, but you're not even German. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 founder of the Swedish Democrats uh, was actually a member of the of the of the Nazi SS. Like yes, just a, the just a whole SS. Not even like a neo-Nazi, just like a full-on actual yeah like, Nazi classic. Nazi. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know he wasn't part of the party. I think when Jimmy joined, uh, but mm. he was definitely in the party when like most of the higher-ups in the Swedish Democrats join, who are still yeah. there. Uh, so it, it's very clear that, like, Jimmy is only really in charge because he is the presentable option. Anyone else regularly gets into uh, drama, or, um, well, I say drama, they get, like, videotaped being super racist or xenophobic or mm -hmm. anti-Semitic in public. Uh, there was an iron pipe scandal where, like, some people super high up in the Swedish Democrats, like, walked around Stockholm with an iron pipe and called... Uh, okay random women passing by for various slurs uh, and like threatening to beat people with pipes um i think like a third or something of their of, of the people in in our uh like parliament equivalent uh, has been convicted of or like uh, either convicted or like charged with some sort of violent crime compared to like oh. an average of like two percent or like one percent or something like that which is like what you would expect 
So Jimmy, <laughs> despite being super weird and like super like racist, uh, is like the best that they have to offer. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's yeah. funny to describe him as a like uh, Richard Spencer, uh, Richard Spencer, widely known as the like dapper, suave Nazi, but he's not suave yeah. or dapper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he's got an undercut and a fade, Rob. I'm tricked. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at this, look yeah. at this young guy. Young people are progressive. Um, but the thing with Richard but, Spencer is that like Richard, like he gets caught regularly, like like um, just being a Nazi, like, like yeah. saying really Nazi shit. Jimmy is smart enough to know that he can't do that. <laughs> and he's smart enough to also, like, chastise other members of his party that do do that, even though that it happens quite frequently. Like, he, yeah. he's really good at disciplining, like, himself and his own party that, that, like, they can't, they can't have a bad image anymore. They can still be Nazis, but they can't have a bad image about it. Right. Yeah, this, this seems very reminiscent of, uh, uh, um, Forum for Democracy in Netherlands. They had, like, a very kind of, like, suave young guy he even had the undercut kind of thing he he kind of pitched himself as a bit of a like intellectual he always said the word oikophobia which supposedly means fear of the homeland or something um yeah it's it's garbage absolute pseudo-intellectual garbage but then like last year like all of his like whatsapps got leaked and he was talking about like the elders of zion and shit and it was like whoops um, <laughs> so that might happen Jimmy has to avoid controversy so that they can incorporate uh, several new uh, splinter right-wing parties. Uh, the Swedish Phalangists. Uh, <laughs> this one's just called Swedish Nazis. I guess they couldn't think of another one. Uh, the, their original name was taken, you know. <laughs> this one's just called Swedish Democrats 224 underscore. Uh, I guess <laughs> the name they wanted was taken. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the two things I kind of wanted to bring about uh, that was like, First of all, he's a tech guy, which you mentioned that he kind of reminds you of like a Silicon Valley guy. He he, he had like a web, he was a web designer uh, for a company that he started with the then chair of the Swedish Democrats in like, I want to say early 2000, 2006, 2008 or something like that. Um, just grand. They really, really want to talk about the fact that he's like studied all these various disciplines. Uh, a lot of his Wikipedia, a lot of his own press says like, "Oh, he studied philosophy, economics, geography, and law." And I was like, "Okay, interesting. What's happening here?" He did all of those courses at the University of Lund and never like graduated. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's 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 his claim there. He just put like, a lot of like big words: a study, epistemology. Uh, <laughs> geology. I do, the, I do all the smart classes. Um, I feel like this is something that happens a lot. With a, a lot of Swedes, will do this where they study like various smart sounding courses for a little bit, never graduate, and then uh, usually either found a company or work at, like their their rich parents' company. Like so, a, mm. a lot of wealthy ish people will do this where they. It sounds like they're like accredited, and it sounds like they're very smart, but they've never actually like, done anything. Yes, yeah, that, that that happens in Germany too. We're not so different. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cultural brethren. the the only other, The only other uh, uh, thing that I wanted to say about uh, uh, Jim before we moved on is um, he, in, shortly before 2014, uh, it was reported that Okusen. Uh, uh, had engaged in extensive gaming and this year invested half a million kroner in online casinos, um, which, love that energy. That's the kind of, like, 
high roller energy we need in the Swedish parliament. I, I'm assuming as someone who's just learning about Swedish politics now. Um, but the, the other thing is like, the weird thing about this is I've only met a Swedish Democrat voter once in my life that I've like actually spoken to. It was a young guy or whatever. But the only thing I distinctly remember about him is he also was massively in debt for online gambling. Uh, I was like, that's just representation. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's say, the benefit uh, of having like multiple parties in parliament. There's a party for everyone. The online gambling yeah. party. Yeah, I, I don't think 15% of Sweden is this guy. Uh, might be a little inflated <laughs> Swedish Democrats. But, but he, he certainly has captured a, a, a slice of, uh, yeah. of society. I like, you said he's a tech guy. I like to imagine that, um, cause a lot of, um, like tech people, when they're talking about like crypto and Bitcoin, they're like, no, it could work like it's like an alternative currency. He's just like, no, there's just no rush like gambling on crypto. <laughs> that's why I like it. <laughs> red or, you know, betting on red or black, that's like Ethereum or Dogecoin is like no better feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Yimmy. I feel like we, I need to do like, we need to do a whole episode on the Swedish Democrats because. We've dealt with like far right parties in Europe before that are just like very obviously descended from the Nazis. Uh, um, Austria's FPU is the is the same, uh, um, which you know Austria, yikes. But like, um, yeah, I, I think we can move on to actually talking about the the meat and potatoes, which is rent. Uh, what this is all about? Yeah, because the there is on debt for government collapse. So as we've already alluded to. Uh, um, the system of renting in Sweden is a bit different from what we, uh, what you listener are probably used to in like the United States, UK, Germany, what have you. Um, there is no rent control as you would kind of know it. It is, there's a formalized collective bargaining via tenants union. Um, you, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, you don't even have to be a member of the tenants union to benefit from this. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, rent for the vast majority of cases. Some sometimes mm-hmm. you can get around this by being illegal by renting out illegally. But for the vast majority of mm-hmm. cases, the rent is not something that you like. It's not something that like is between the landlord and the renter. It's between it's between like it's it's just something that uh, rent is just placed on top on an apartment, like an apartment mm-hmm. or like a an apartment block will have a type of rent. And then it doesn't matter who like rents it. It doesn't matter like their credentials or whatever. It doesn't really matter what the landlord wants. Just that's that rent that it has. And right. it is set that way uh, in negotiations between the, um, between the landlord and the renters union. And there are more like there, there are like individual cases, like local chapters of this union will have like negotiations with local landlords and talk about what they should have like on an individual level. And then there are national conversations between like, uh, landlord uh, associations, uh, organizations, and uh, the national part of this, and they hash out things like how much should uh, like distance from public transport affect rent? How should right. like price per square meter affect things? How should the condition of the apartment affect? Things? So they they deal with the details of it all. Uh, okay. Yeah, and you can't. Yeah, you can't really escape it because uh, even. Uh, yeah, because every apartment, uh, basically is affected by it. Like, I'm, uh, I didn't become a member until fairly, until fairly recently, unfortunately. And, uh, but my, my rent has changed because they've negotiated new rents for, for mm-hmm. my apartment because they, they, they don't really care about me. It's, it's my apartment that, that has to be lowered in terms of rent. 
Right. Well, that's that's uh, that's fair, and like it kind of follows naturally that when you get these two like opposing forces at a negotiation table, that of course it's going to be based on like quote unquote objective factors, like you said, like location of public transport, quality of the apartment when the building was built. That's kind of how like most rent control kind of stuff operates. Like they try to tie it to some sort of like number or statistic or index. Like the the meat and decal that was overturned here in Berlin was tied to like square footage and year built. Am I getting that right, Rob? Yeah. Actually I'm not sure. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't benefit so and then, then you get the yeah, <laughs> but then you get the uh, uh, you get to find the fun information of which like which weird government of Germany's past built your building. Um, and was it one of the fun ones or the terrible ones? Uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what happened. But this tenants association was founded in 1923. Uh, their way of running rents was made universal in 1970, and this was done by the Swedish Democrats, uh, which is the social, where they get social Democrats. Social Democrats, God damn it. God fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the Social Democrats, Swedish Democrats have done jack shit. Um, yeah, and about thirty six percent, about like uh, just over a third of the country is renting. Uh, just a clarification. In Germany, I think in Germany and Austria are quite rare in the sense that they, like you can rent for life. Is that an occurrence in Sweden, or are you still kind of expected to buy a home eventually? You're expected to, but you can. You can rent for life, uh, right. but you are definitely expected to to buy a place eventually, like a right, like okay. a like an either an apartment or or a house somewhere. Yeah, because no, like to, to, you go on. No, it's just that thirty like six percent number sticks out to me because when you're talking about like. Um, how everyone is against this, you know, the introducing the market rents. Like, is 36% low enough that even if it makes no sense, the parties could be like, well, that's not, we could, there's still 60, there's still the other 64%, so we can still, yeah. they, they, they'll be fine with it. And like, basically just be like, almost like the, um, uh, the argument people use in the, in the US to, uh, uh, to, uh, not introduce minimum wage. It's like, oh, well, you only work at McDonald's if you're 16. So. It's basically that, yeah. like, oh, it's only thirty percent, and that's just like your that's just your starter apartment anyway. So, yeah, I think so. right wing parties could probably get away with that because the people who vote more right wing are also more likely to be uh, a bit better off, and usually, like, they have parents who buy houses for them or apartments for them. Mm. Very common among like rich kids, especially like in in the bigger cities where rent is a bit higher. Um, you, like parents will like buy a starter apartment for their kid, which they can then like flip and sell when the price inevitably goes up even more. Um, yeah. But the the center and the left definitely can't because their voters are usually a bit uh, like less well off, and those people are more have a higher tendency to rent. But and even though even despite this, even even parties on the right are still like uh, against market rents. Even though they don't rent even close to as much, which is a, a good sign, I feel like that's a good sign of Swedish <laughs> politics, um, or it's rather the Swedish electorate rather than politics. So then we get in the situation of like introducing market rents and what this would do to to Sweden, um, according to uh, uh, surveys of uh, landlords, they're uh, uh, pretty sure that they're they all pretty much agree that their property is undervalued. Uh, based on this system uh say like ranging somewhere like on average about like 50 percent undervalued 
Um, my swag is yeah. underappreciated too by uh, by my peers. <laughs> they should they should yeah. uh, reassess. Yeah, this uh, this closet I own in Stockholm is clearly worth more. Uh, <laughs> look at this nice sconce I put onto it. Um, and they believe like uh, studies also found that like that is true. That would be like a massive increase uh, over time. Uh, people. Um, I also wanted to check out the rent situation as it currently stands and compare it with uh, Germany because it's where we are. Um, Stockholm rent in Germany is about 17% higher uh, than um, Berlin, for example. But Berlin is a very unique situation is that like it was, you know, bombed and then divided for most of the 20th century. Uh, so rent here is quite low. Um but then, like, the system does seem to be working. Like, uh, uh, Gothenburg and Malmo rents are much cheaper when compared to, like, Hamburg and Munich, which would be our second and third largest cities. Um, but I then started looking into how much Stockholm rents in particular would take up of the average salary. It's something like a Stockholm rent is about 42 to 75% of your average salary. Yeah. Uh, anywhere in that range. Um, for a central one bedroom. Uh, I don't know what this website was defining as central because sometimes central is like right slap bang in the middle of the city or like not central is like you are two hours out of the city or whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, it would be very hard to find. But, yeah. yeah, I would guess that it wouldn't matter super much because the rent in um, in central Stockholm is very like uniform. Uh, it's more actually mm-hmm. like dependent on like how far away it is from a subway station and the subway like sprawls out uh, fairly right, significantly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only place in, in Stockholm that's like a bit cheaper than the rest is uh, is Inkeby, which is the, okay. the sort of it's it's what Fox News calls the no go zone. Uh, oh, nice! Which <laughs> uh, is, is, which is also like my favorite part of town. Uh, but uh, I do love the idea of just like renters actually coveting. Uh, that their neighborhood be called like a no-go zone by some sort of reactionary mass media just to drive down rents. Like this is this is not a joke. I was I'm I'm actually yeah. like looking to move to to Stockholm now, and like all of my friends have recommended me to move like close to northern Stockholm because mm. the rents are lower there, and yeah. it's it's fine. Like it's safe. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I'm. Pre- I'm pretty sure I, I like the neighborhood I live in in Berlin has probably been called a no-go zone or something like that. Um, so, just making sure I'm getting through all my points here because it, it basically looks like that, like as you've mentioned, Mia, when we were talking about this before, this is a massively unpopular uh, position amongst the general public, definitely amongst renters, definitely amongst the tenants, the tenants union, and uh, landlords love it basically. <laughs> uh, um, the uh what is it oh, i'm not going to pronounce this correctly fastig hetzigena uh garna fastig hetzigena i said i just said that the swedish real estate lobby uh yeah has basically found that like 80% of landlords think that their value is under the property is undervalued they're definitely in support of it i'd imagine all landlords are um and we do have a decent comparison uh, that we can play with, as as you mentioned earlier, uh, Finland is a good comparison because Finland has introduced market rents when they had a. Um, I'm not sure if it was exactly the same as the Swedish system, but they did have a means of keeping rent prices away from the forces of the market uh, through one system or another, and they introduced this in 
the early 90s, between 1990 and 1995, they gradually introduced it. Um, they saw the average rents increase by 26% nationwide and 42% in Helsinki in the capital. Um, and the great kicker to all of this is that uh, while supply increased a little bit in 1995, upon the, like, uh, when this law was first introduced, uh, they now have a shortage of uh, rental apartments again. This didn't increase supply at all. Yeah. Uh, even though, even though I should say that uh, Finland's social housing uh, building programs are far more aggressive than what Sweden's doing at the moment. They uh, regularly build sweet, uh, social housing. Yeah, yeah. And like this, the, the supply issue, I think is like the most crucial thing. Cause that's been the, that's been the argument by, of course, yeah. uh, by basically the entire right wing here. That's like, we need to deregulate the, the renting market because, uh, like we're, we're in a housing crisis a little bit. There's a housing shortage. And, mm. uh, they've, they've all sort of like banged this drum that like, if we just allow landlords to set their own rents, then they will be more incentivized to build. Uh, even though there has not been, I don't think there has been any case of that actually happening, except for for a very short amount of time, and then it just stagnates because landlords realize they don't need to build more because then they can just keep the rents high and make money more money that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's that's the the incentive. Like that's what like you've seen this happen in like every other major city that has never had like these kind of renter protections. Uh, Dublin and London's come to mind of just like. Not only were landlords and property developers not building new things, they were also just holding on to existing property and keeping them empty in order to drive up the average average rent. Um, so yeah, there's like no incentive for them to do this. Scarcity drives the the prices to go up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, um, the only reason that I've seen that like makes sense from a lot of leftist sort of uh, commentators has been that. Um, since it has been like the center party and the, and the liberal party that have like been most pushing for this type of deregulation, mm. um, it's, it's quite curious that like a lot of like personal friends of a lot of, uh, like high politicians within those parties are also like la- big landlord names. What? Uh, oh no, that's not meant to happen. Uh-oh. Oh, damn. <laughs> Whoopsie. Oh, beans. <laughs> that's not meant to occur. <laughs> Yeah, you, just, you, like, act, you act like that's, that's hypocr- hypocritical, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, you're friends with uh, tenants, so you're biased too. <laughs> yeah, we we have this uh, uh, as a part of like some sort of arbitrary, uh, uh, fair and balanced news reporting uh, tonight. This entire panel of uh, uh, on this discussion of rent or home ownership will be uh, uh, completely chaired by homeless people. Uh, they're the only people who don't have skin in the game, and it's just like this is a weird TV show. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, because like, who who do you like? Everyone's either like a tenant, homeowner, or a landlord. So I was like, who do you get yeah. to like have the unbiased opinion? Um, I also I want to talk about. I'm not sure if you know too much about this, but like the the social housing uh situation or building like. The government building any kind of housing situation. I know in the 60s and 70s, there was this uh, very ambitious one million housing project uh, that was undertaken by the Social Democrats. Yes. Again, reason why people vote for them in the first place. Yeah. Back when um, they were good. Yes. Uh, um, and like that's it's kind of like, I mean, this is one of the things that you probably hear internationally about why Sweden is great. So, so, so they did this kind of aggressive social housing policy. I also find the tendency to like, 
merge all like four to five Nordic countries into one like ideal Nordic countries like to to kind of talk about like we talk about Finnish education or Norwegian healthcare and just act like it's all the same country. Um, if things had been slightly different in the 1840s, we could have talked about the the Nordic unification thing, but unfortunately, yeah. that's not the word we have. But yeah, Million Projektet, uh, the one million social housing unit project thing, mm. um, it used to be very popular because it did drive down like rent prices. It did like fix the housing shortage for a short amount of time. Um, but the thing is, the way they did that was building these uh, very like Soviet Union style tenant uh, tenements, like big mm. uh, gray uh, housing units, which are fine. They're perfectly fine. Like you know, I, I've lived in one. A lot of my friends have lived, lived in them, and they're great. Um, uh, but they because they're they're a bit they're getting a bit older now, and that also means that the rent of them are getting are getting down a little bit means that the, the people who primarily live in them today are uh, people who have, uh, you know, a, a lower income than average. Uh, right. Oftentimes, uh, like, refugees who get, like, their first apartment uh, in Sweden, for example, that are trying to, like, move, they, they usually find these places to be, like, the cheapest, the most available. Um, mm. And this has led many of the areas where these were built to be uh, labeled, <laughs> like to be labeled no-go zones, like I mentioned before, to be, to be labeled sort of, uh, as having a, uh, having a bad reputation because that's where the cores live. So unfortunately for like a a big part in mainstream discourse, this, even though there is some sort of like a leftist push to have another million project, it, it, it's probably not going to happen because in the eyes of a lot of people, especially rurally and especially like, if they live in an area that's not one of these places, the way they associate they associate these type of projects with poverty, and they associate it with yes. um, with like lacking assimilation, lacking uh, integration, things of that nature, mm-hmm. uh, which in Swedish discourse has become like very toxic. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of the same. Like, and you probably get into the same kind of cycles of like like certain sections of political uh, um political operatives uh, the capitalist class kind of just deeming these neighborhoods like lost causes to a certain extent or just like no investment goes into them in any way shape or form um my my memory of like malmo kind of struck me as like as soon as you got out of the like nice little old town it became very like that there wasn't really much around um yeah but my my experience of Sweden is limited. It's mostly just Max Berger, um, <laughs> uh, which is a great place. Yeah, but you, you've the... experienced the best part of Sweden already. Oh, good. I, I don't have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I went to Stockholm once and I got frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the, like this. Yeah, this is the two. This is the two uh, experiences of Sweden. I'm just like yeah. I nearly died because of the elements, or I got like a decent burger. <laughs> I had a hole in my shoe, and there was a big snowstorm, and I was walking around all day, and uh, looked, and my toes were like purple, but it was oh, fine. God. Don't worry, it was was just just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just built different. It's fine. Um, great. So, I think this leads us to like what's happened now in response to all this. So, there was this kind of like looming deadline. Lufin had to make a new government, uh, which he has done kind of yes yes 
how did he manage that? Who who did he get on board? Because it's the friends we know from before, the the terrible neoliberal parties, the Greens, who I feel like have been like completely agentless in this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's basically how they've been treated for the last two decades in Swedish politics as a sort of like cancerous lump that's connected to the Social Democrats. Okay. Uh, that are never voted out of, of parliament either because everyone just keeps giving them support votes so that they stay in, in, in the parliament. Mm. It's it's a wonderful system that they exist. But they're a fine party and I, I, I like them even though I don't vote for them. Um, so, yeah. Do you mind if I just rant for a Go little for bit it. about it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. The, the government fell and... The choice that the prime minister has then is he can either like call a new election or resign. And calling a new election seems that it would probably almost guarantee a right wing government at this stage. Uh, yeah. So that was like very much not something that he wanted to do. Uh, so he decided to resign, which left the speaker of the house in charge to try to form a new government. And the center party and the and and the liberal party had basically. The, 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 yeah, the Liberal Party decided that, like, okay, cool, the January agreement is dead, we're out, we're going to support a right-wing government like we used to do, um, and their opinion polls, mm. uh, the second they said that, they lost, like, 3% of their opinion polls. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they had, like, 4 to start with, so they lost a lot. <laughs> can I actually, I, can I just say one thing that I wanted to say since the beginning of this podcast, which is, like, the only thing I know about the Liberal Party... Um, but I feel like tells you everything you need to know as like an outside observer, which is at some point fairly recently, they did a rebrand where they changed their logo to, um, a penis. Yeah. Effectively, you could just, you could just look up Swedish liberals. You could see their logo. It's a, and then turn your phone 90 degrees. Um, yeah. but then what I feel like, like was objectively a bad decision. But then what I feel like tells you about this party is, they, they stuck with it. Yeah. That's still their logo. <laughs> it's like, I'm doubling down on this bad decision I made. Exactly. Yeah. And when, uh, and when they doubled down on the bad decision to, to try to support a right wing government, the center mm. party saw that and was like, Oh, Oh, damn. We, <laughs> let's not do that. So they, they sort of started giving some like tacit support to, uh, to Levan, uh, basically said that like, it wasn't back and forth for a long time, like trying to find compromise solutions um, that didn't work. I can see that you have the notes uh, that the government have claimed uh, landlords and tenants association have to come to an agreement. Um, mm. I, I don't think that's on the thing anymore, but the, the, right. that proposal was basically that Levin was trying to basically bargain with the left party saying that like, okay, what if we just don't deregulate the renting market and we just leave it to the tenants union and the landlord associations. We just let them yeah. battle it out. And if they can't come, and crucially, and if they can't come to an agreement, uh, we're just going to deregulate the housing market anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, he, put the, he put the timeline to like September 1st. And I was like, yeah. that's, that's not terribly far away. And it's also just like, <laughs> we already know the position of both of these like associations, unions, yeah. they're, and they're complete opposite. <laughs> and the fa and the fact that like if they can't reach an agreement, they're just going to deregulate it anyway, mm -hmm. giving no incentive for the landlord association to actually do anything. Which the yes. tenants union said that like, okay, you're giving us the mandate to negotiate, but you're also basically holding a gun to our backs, uh, saying yeah. that if we can't just concede everything, you're just going to do it anyway. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was like it was it was offloading the problem. It was like saying, "Oh, I, I." It was different trying to get out of like I don't want to be the one seen as making this decision, even though I have exactly. Uh, but the left party didn't budge on that. Uh, mm. The center party uh, eventually budged when it started to look like it, they couldn't form any government whatsoever. Right. And I think what's happened now is that they've they've made a new government and Stefan Levin is back, but on the condition that, um, like, they're not going to deregulate the renting market anymore, but the center party has been promised, like, new concessions, uh, which... I'm not super sure what they're off, what they're all about, but mm. it was enough for the left party to to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna support like a, a new January agreement of mm-hmm. sorts, um, okay. and it's just it just barely passed without the support of the Liberal Party, uh, and it only really passed because of like a quirk in this in the Swedish uh, parliament system, in the sense of like you don't actually need a majority to vote for the government. You just need a majority to not vote against it. Yeah, so, like, it was a lot of abstentions, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, people yeah. just, like, yeah. So yeah. There, there were some from the Liberal Party who just didn't vote. Um, the 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 Centre Party and the and the, Liberal, the Liberal Party voted against it, but the Centre Party just abstained, uh, which means that the only people... It, it looks kind of undemocratic if you look at the voting records, because it's, like... 49% of, the, of Parliament votes against this coalition and like 25% or something like that votes uh, in favor of it. It passes. Uh, it looks it looks a bit sus, but that's that's how our system works. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask quickly about the... Um, oh, wait. Did, did I cut you off? No, no, no. You. About this... Yeah, the, like the Liberals and the Centre Party because... So... Throughout all of this, like we were talking about earlier, that they were kind of taken away from the blue block or whatever because of the Swedish Democrats. And so it seems like the liberals are fine when they say we want to send a right government. They don't say and the Swedish Democrats are going to be the second biggest party in that coalition. But, you know, they're left yeah. unstated is that that will that will be the case. And yeah. so do you think the center party, do you think that they I mean, we don't have to try to guess what they're thinking, but. Do you think that they the the leadership would cooperate? Because like uh, like a three or seventy five percent of the voting base of the liberals, like if, if they lost three points of a total four, that's a pretty strong punishment. Like honestly, an encouraging one. Because I think a lot of the the fear is that you know they, they say one thing at the election and then you know two three years later people are like oh well you know they've, it's been normalized to an extent. Uh, so what's the like balance of the normalization of the Sweden, Swedish Democrats and? Could the center party also shift, um, or do you think that it would be too big a political cost? I think the center party would probably see it as too much of a political cost because the, their party leader and sort of their position throughout this entire thing has been like they don't want to work with extremist parties. They don't want to like mm. concede to extremists. And th- what they try to do there is they instead of like trying to denounce the right, they sort of like to try to denounce the left party as being as bad as the Swedish Democrats. Because, you know, it's a former communist party that had ties to Moscow. Like the the left party, like in the in back in the day, was very old timey communist, uh, Mm. like Mm. uh, very like pro Stalin. Obviously, a lot of things have changed since then. Um, But uh, this, but the center party sitting in the common turn, waiting for Stalin's orders (laughs) (laughs) any day now. (laughs) If if you ask like right wingers in Sweden, that's they will believe this. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just like the idea of just like a, a room full of like left wing Swedes just being like, wait, he died? <laughs> it's over? 54? <laughs> no, but uh, so. Um, so the center party has basically been wanting to denounce the left party as being as bad as the Swedish Democrats. And it hasn't really worked out super well. Um, but at the same time, they've also very much strongly denounced the Swedish Democrats as being an extremist party. And they, the center party really wants to build a sort of a center coalition and like rebuild a, a centrist position in Swedish politics, which hasn't really existed for a long time because of the bloc politics. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that's going to happen. If it ha- if it does happen, I I think it would be political suicide from the center party, right. um, especially since all the drama that happened like re- like fairly recently. They maybe could do some like passive support for yeah. a right wing uh, government if the if the Swedish Democrats aren't given any direct power, like some sort of like sort of what they did with the left party now, but. Yeah. I, 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 I doubt it. Like there is a lot of animosity between the center party and the Swedish Democrats right now. Uh, they're seen as basically polar opposites. So I, it would be, it would take a lot to work for that to work. The liberals, however, are fine to do it, but they're probably going to be voted out of parliament uh, due to this loss of popularity. Oh damn! That would the penis logo just get like a lot of horny Swedes on board. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I forgot in 2018 one of the rounds was like. Did uh did it actually happen or was it or was it just proposed that the center party would like lead a, like you know a, a bipartisan uh, unity coalition? Yeah, yeah, it, it was yeah, it was proposed the, yeah. that okay. that that would happen in a sort of like mm-hmm. weird monster union between like led by the center party um, and in government it would be like the moderate party which is like the the like Republican Party and the Social Democrats, which are like yep. enemies for didn't really work out, but that was that was one idea for what could happen um, mm. as a like wide center coalition. Um, Sweden has done that before as a sort of like emergency uh, anti-extremist government um, in times of like crisis, but that has only really, ha- really happened like during the World War. Um, oh yeah, things of that nature. <laughs> I'll do it. Like during the first world war, like it was only done to like prevent communist revolution or like a fascist uprising. And during the second world war, just to make sure that like Sweden didn't like lose its shit while, uh, while Europe was like under, uh, under occupation. Uh, yeah. so, for, so for it to happen over like just a weird election would have been a bit unprecedented. But we are in a world war today of, you know, uh, like your parents cutting off the account you use for gambling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, a lot of issues today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they got rid of uh, Flappy Bird from the App Store. I had money writing on that. Um, yeah, like that weird kind of like consensus, but then like the small party runs it. That like that's happened in Finland recently, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's. It's a thing that has happened in governments before. It might seem strange to, like, I don't know, the politics of Germany or the UK, where it still seems like big party win, big big party in charge. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a go-to even here. But uh, That's fair, yeah. Like, it, there are situations where it could be seen as a sort of compromise solution. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I'm just Rob's trying to imagine the dark timeline where like the Groco happens in Germany, but like the FTP is put in charge of it for whatever reason. 
It could happen. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, well, why I'm interested in this, like, Swedish Democrats, mm. thing, I don't know. The ground's always changing. But I do think the off day have been more normalized, certainly on, like, local levels. Like, they're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they're not that bad. Or, you know, I mean, it hasn't happened. At, uh, right? I mean, there's no coalition we can think of. Uh, but, uh, like, on any state level. But no. it seems like there is for at least... Um, it's, I'm, I'm curious, you described earlier that the center voters are like more likely to be renters, but they're supporting the super neoliberal party. So at the base, there is some like pretty, um, I don't know, there's, there, there's a definite like militancy isn't the right word, but like, yeah, a red line of their own against working with the Swedish Democrats. That's yeah. um, encouraging. And it must be encouraging for like, I don't know, the left or people who are like, okay, you're not in our party, but this phenomenon would, I mean, would would uh, redound to their benefit. Yeah. The the center party are, I would basically say that they, they would be an equivalent to like the American Democrats, basically in the sense of like, they mm. do have a bit of, they do have like a lot of pride in their own, like uh, they have a lot of pride in their, their progressive social values, which they do have a lot of uh, the, the center party and the, and the left party are basically like very, very similar to each other when it comes to like, um, like, re- like mostly, uh, when it was like LGBT rights, women's rights, those types of things, right? Uh, but, uh, but they are like not really aligned with any left party when it comes to economic things. They are very sort of like deregulation, uh, free capitalism, free markets, that type of thing. So that's, that's, that's the only reason why they're with the right wing in the first place. But because they are so progressive, uh, and that's like a big point of pride for them. That like they're, they're the most progressive party in the right wing coalition, or at least mm. were. Um, to to for them to like work together with the Swedish Democrats is for a lot of like their voters seen as a complete betrayal of like their ideological like roots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they they might both be supporters of capitalism, but the the Swedish Democrats are like hardline conservatives who are very much like against uh, much of what the center party supports. Yeah, I think the 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 international comparison you can make. So the the weird the thing that's like weird from the perspective of Germany is that like the center party here does kind of like really campaign on we're like responsible hands of the economy kind of thing. Whereas I think this sounds more like the Liberal Democrats in the UK, which probably still have like really shitty economic opinions, but they campaign very strongly on being socially progressive mm. um that kind of thing which that makes sense that's the strategy of a, of a couple of so, um center parties across the continent and across the world um sometimes to the detriment of like we're going to pass something progressive don't notice that we've like sold all the like elderly homes to pepsi uh or something <laughs> like that exactly yeah um cool all right so i think that's 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 uh everything we have uh, any last remarks on the uh swedish renter situation or sweden is it good decide now <laughs> <laughs> mail us now if you think sweden is good yeah. we have phone voting on this like early to like early 2000s like big brother shows <laughs> text in yeah is sweden good click one on your phone now excellent um but yeah, any last remarks from anyone before we we go into the plugs? Um, I would ask just like what the we, we alluded to at the beginning that um, the left party has seen a little bit of a bump from this. Like, what do you think? Do you have any? I don't know. 
guesses, any anything maybe hopeful for for uh, going forward, something to look out for. I think I, I, I like. I'm hopeful in the sense that like this has for the first time in a very long time shown the social democrats here, and I think in a lot of like neighboring countries as well that you can't always count on like the passive support of those who are further to the left. Like this, this is something that we've seen in, in many countries, right? Where um, a party will, will sort of like present itself as sort of like center left and then like lurch more to the right wing, but then they tell their entire left wing that like, Hey, if you, ha- it's either us or the ones who are even worse. Like it's either, yeah. it's either Joe Biden or it's Trump. Like that, that sort of comparison. Um, and I think this has shown that like, you can't always count on that. Like you actually, like if this, if, if the center left wants to have like, like more like left, left, left support, then they actually have to give concessions. Um, and in the case of here, that has worked out really well. Like the left party is seeing a big rise in support. The left leader party, uh, the left party leader has seen like, much risen confidence. People see her as being principled. Even people who don't agree with the left party, like ideologically at all, are seeing the left party as being like uh, supporters of their principles, which is something that is very lacking in a lot of Swedish politics right now. Uh, especially since I mentioned uh, that a lot of parties are doing politics that n- their own voters don't really support. Uh, and that's not just about rents. That's about like basically everything except for the left party, which actually is doing what it says. Um, and I, I hope that this will eventually lead to like in the next, uh, in the next election that, uh, maybe like a left wing ish government continues. Um, but I'm, I'm a bit worried because at the same, while this is happening, like for the, for the center and for the left, uh, the right wing is sort of, sort of becoming more and more uh, like disillusioned with mainstream politics. Uh, and they're not going to go to the left party because they're principled. They're all going to go to the Swedish Democrats because uh, yeah. their entire shtick is like anti, anti-establishment uh, politics. And as long as they're, as long as they're not in power or as long as they're like their politics is not being done, they can keep banging that drum. And so far it's been really good for them. So I'm, I'm a bit, uh, it's all up in the air right now, basically. But I'm hopeful for the left party. I think the left party is doing great. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a. I think internationally, this has kind of shown a, a road forward for some other uh, parties in similar positions to stick to their guns and pull out. I, I think a good comparison is probably like what's happening just south of you in Denmark, where like the Social Democrats, the center left party, are sticking like are relatively left wing, but they're also just like justifying that with just like weird racism yeah um yeah yeah and no one seems to have like last i heard from the uh i've forgotten the name of the left party in denmark i think it's something quite similar to venstipetiet but they've kind of uh, um they like lament the like whole confiscating of jewelry uh putting all the migrants onto a disease island kind of shit that's happened in denmark but they're just like but we're getting this stuff done about worker ownership. And I was like, that's pretty cool. It'd be nice if the migrants didn't have the jewelry seeds. <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting. I, I wonder, because we, a lot of the Nordics are in a similar situation. Like Finland's in the same situation where it's a center left being propped up by a, a left wing party. 
Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, Mia, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank uh, you. Uh, I believe people can find your work on this little-known app, uh, a website called YouTube. I, I'd never heard of YouTube before. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a little side gig on, on, on this like niche uh, little website <laughs> uh, called YouTube.biz. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, I wish that existed. I know. Uh, that has to redirect, right? They have to own that domain if they don't, I'm it's buying the, it. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, first, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm 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 honored to be here as the resident Swedish expert. Um, <laughs> uh, I've 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 hoped that I've hoped that I've been uh, that I've been able to bring some good perspective. And uh, you can find my stuff by yeah, search. You can search my name on YouTube. You find on Mia Mulder. Uh, you can go to miamulder.com. It'll take you to my YouTube channel where I talk about all sorts of fun things. Uh, or you can come to my podcast, which has nothing to do about politics and has more to do with medical history, which is called Leech Fest, mm. which you can find on various podcasting outlets. That sounds good. I could talk to you about getting a surprise vaccine yesterday. Ooh! It was it wasn't the vaccine we're all meant to get. I've got that already, so I'm pretty happy. It's <laughs> just like Ireland doesn't keep records of what vaccines I've got, so the Germans are just like, look, we just have to give them all to you again. <laughs> just like, Double you're vaccine. Just, you're just getting them. Your immune uh, system must be the strongest in Europe. I'm so sick, though. I feel <laughs> terrible. Um, oh, no. They've just been pumping me full of dead diseases. I don't like it. Anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on again, and we will put links to all of your stuff in the description. Um, our theme song is by uh, Melty Brains, great Irish band, New Dawn. Check it out. It is a bop. And we stream every Wednesday looking at weird uh, European YouTube videos. Uh, we got very distracted with Hudi, which is the Irish name for Hugo, the interactive troll that Denmark made uh, for t- children's television. <laughs> it's a real thing. I went mad trying to find it. Anyway. Thanks for listening. We will catch you on the bonus feed on Friday. Ciao, ciao.